Thank you for tuning in to the WAM Podcast, where women empower women in business and manufacturing. Hey, good morning and welcome to the Women and Manufacturing Podcast. My name is Fran Brunel. I'm your host for today's show. I'm also the president of Accelerated Manufacturing Brokers, Inc., a company that specializes in mergers and acquisitions exclusively within the manufacturing sectors. So today we are incredibly excited to have with us all the way from Northern Ireland, Ms. Cara Macklin. Kara is a serial entrepreneur and a leading businesswoman in Northern Ireland. She was the director for 15 years of a multi-million and multi-award winning hospitality and healthcare group, growing it from three businesses with only 200 employees to seven businesses with over 600 employees. Today, she is also the founder of Karam, a success coaching firm, and she helps clients to achieve meaningful change and sustained growth. Kara, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Fran, for having me. It's lovely to be here. Yeah, delighted to have you here. So introduce our listening audience to your firm. Explain what you do. Give us a little bit of your history. Sure. So As you said, I was 15 years in a business that we scaled. It was actually my family business. So when people ask me, when did my journey as an entrepreneur start? I say about five years old around a kitchen table. Well, my very, very first business was a failure at eight years old, making jewelry for my mum's friends. So that was the first lesson. You have to make a business that's going to sell to people who aren't just friends. My proper first business that made some money was I was 15 and I, I ran buses to local nightclubs with my big brother. So that was the start of it. And I, I've always, you know, I suppose I grew up in, in that environment and I've always been interested in the impact that entrepreneurs can have on the world in, in every respect in terms of financially, economically, jobs they can create, the good they can do. I, I think entrepreneurs, you know, I'm not saying government can't make a big impact, but they, they're they very restricted. They're very big institutions, whereas entrepreneurs can, you know, switch and change a lot easier. So after, you know, many years in different industries and, and scale in the family business, I decided to leave and set up my own business a number of years ago. And I suppose I really felt that, you know, the entrepreneurs of the, you know, today and going forward, particularly with COVID, are going to need to have a very different skill set to what even five years ago had. And and my my experience and expertise really came through from leading people, bringing them along with me and, and innovation and, and that was long before COVID hit. And I think a lot of people, when you don't learn those things, you know, innovation is a word that is very, very overused, I have to say. And, and I actually don't even like the word, but but the speed the business is going now, um, you know, I use the analogy of forward. You create one thing, you know, it's particularly like in manufacturing, you create one product, you do it really, really well, and you keep repeat, rinse, repeat, rinse. Um, that's not going to work in business anymore, as we know. But if you try to do too many things and too many new ideas, which a lot of entrepreneurs suffer from, you don't succeed either. So how do you get the good balance? Which is what I learned I mean, when I was in the healthcare industry, which is a very, very traditional business like manufacturing. Um, we completely disrupted the industry and created a new concept. So so again, I wanted to bring those skills. And then I, I trained professionally as a coach to just up-level my own leadership. And from that, then I realized I had, I could help a lot of other entrepreneurs because, you know, the mindset and the psychology piece is a, is a huge part in business as well. That's that a lot of people don't realize in terms yeah. of your success. Yeah. 
So I have a business coach. I've had one for years. And I love when entrepreneurs, when we see entrepreneurs investing in themselves and Is there commonality that you see? People come to you when they're at a certain stage of their career, and do you see commonalities amongst your clients? Speak into that a little bit if you can. Sure. I think one of the things that, you know, you have different types of entrepreneurs. You have entrepreneurs who, you know, it's in their DNA. They want to create something themselves and have something of their own. So whatever it is, they're going to create it one way or the other. You'll have, so if you take engineering, for example, or manufacturing, you'll have someone who potentially is a very good engineer starting out. They come up with a very good idea, and then all of a sudden they become an entrepreneur. And they're two very different type of people, and I work with both. But if I take the first one, so the person who's going to be an entrepreneur, and they might, you know, it could be 20 different businesses they start. Both the commonality between both is they they hit a ceiling of growth in their business, and that's a ceiling of growth in themselves as a leader. Unfortunately, and I have to admit this myself too, your business is a mirror image of you as the leader. So whatever's going wrong and right in your business, if you look internally in yourself or get a coach and mentor to help you, it's a direct replication of what's in you. So that's the first commonality. But but I suppose what you'll see in the difference is the person number one who's the entrepreneur, we, I mean, that's me. We like the shiny new toys. We like the new ideas. We want to keep creating things and starting things. What we have to be very careful of is we need good people around us to help us finish them. We need people and systems to help, you know, help us be accountable and stay on track. We get quite bored quite easily. The engineer who becomes an entrepreneur or in manufacturing, very, very different. They quite often are the opposite. But to go from being an engineer into a leadership role, quite often those people actually are pushed into, you know, much higher level roles as the company gets much bigger and they come away from being an engineer. And they're maybe a bit out of their depth. They hate it. You know, they're running a business now rather than being an engineer. But actually, I feel if they had the right support along the journey and learned the strategies and techniques that, you know, they learned as an engineer. You know, I said to an accountant one time who was a CEO of his business now, um, I said, how many years did you study accountancy? And he said, oh, five years. And we worked out the hours. And I said, well, how many years or hours have you put into your development and leadership? And he said, oh, I did a two week training course. And I said, well, like, you know, and he did five years in university to become an accountant and more and more courses after that. So, you know, when you make a comparison, leadership, you know, now more than ever is tough gig. Yeah. Constantly developing yourself and and investing in yourself. But I do think it's suppose the one difference I notice between entrepreneurs and leaders in the corporate world is entrepreneurs who run their own business. They come last in the chain. So all the money and all the investment goes into the business, into their people, into their you know, and I say, particularly, you know, entrepreneurs are coming up through the ranks now and, you know, scaling their business. You need to put investment into yourself because your business will not grow any further than you grow. And that's a hard thing for entrepreneurs because they, they want to keep reinvesting it back into the business. Yeah, it's very interesting, you know, coming from servicing the manufacturing community for 27 years, I see both of these, you know, the the entrepreneur, the visionary, and you're absolutely correct in that that type of individual needs to have 
a support system around them to provide structure and systems in place in order to for them to get to the next level that they need to get to. But we also see often, you know, there's an engineer widget maker, I'll call him, and he's a great widget maker, but he's a horrible business person because he doesn't, they know everything about manufacturing and they can make the most complex parts. But unless they have people around them that can do the business side of it, they end up, so we see two things. They either get the help that they need to get to the next level, which is where you come in, Mm -hmm. or they choose to sell their company at that point Mm -hmm. because it's grown beyond what they're comfortable with. And then they just want to go back to being the widget maker because that was what was exciting and fun to them. And I Mm -hmm. think it's, you know, it's a different mindset. People have to become aware of the possibilities that are available to them to Mm -hmm. grow their business and to be able to concentrate on what they love. And that's it. It sounds like that's where you come in. Yeah, but I think the key thing, one of the things I think is very sad is when the widget maker feels they have to sell because they hate it. Part of why they hate it is because they don't know how to do it. And those sort of people are very, very detailed. They need to know every inch of everything that they do. So the way, you know, what I teach them is exactly the same, but the way I would work with those two different people is very different. The language I use, how we engage, what would motivate, how they would understand things um, would be completely different because, you know, I think the visionary, the big challenge with them is they can't understand why other people can't just see their ideas and just get it. There's innovation as a leader, but then there's an innovative culture, which is a very different thing to create. So that's how do you create an environment where your teams are, you know, and I'm not talking about creating the next iPhone, you know, but I, my teams would have constantly been coming up with every week, new ways of doing things, new ideas, better. So it's a half inch on the dial every week, every week. You know, that to me, there's very few businesses now are going to come up with an iPhone, maybe one in a generation. So yeah. innovative culture to me is that constantly moving forward slowly so that when COVID or something else hits, because there's other things coming, you know, you're at the front of it rather than behind it where it does a lot of damage. You have some sort of scaling system that you use with your clients. Tell us about that a little bit. That sounds interesting. Sure. So I suppose what I enjoy the most is, you know, what's the next thing? Is it growth? Is it doing something different? Is it so you know, really what I've done is just all the lessons that I've learned. And, and I can assure you, Fran, all the, the major mistakes I've made too many to even talk about in one hour and try and just put that in a very practical, you know, even when people talk with me as a coach or a mentor, as a consultant, I'm not even actually comfortable with that because like I'm a business person and an entrepreneur first and foremost. The bit that I was missing, particularly when I led teams when I was a lot younger and made mistakes, was how do you engage people properly and bring them along with you? Because quite often, the you know, the founder or the leader or the CEO is too far away from the team and they just don't know the techniques to come alongside them. And so that's one of the ways, you know, leading a team and bringing them along on the scaling journey with you is very important. You know, there's the fundamentals of scale in any business. Do you have everything in all the right pillars? Do you have your sales and marketing? Do you have your operations? You know, there's a system you have to go through because it's like anything. It's like a car. If, if you drive a car too quickly and the tires aren't checked, you know, it's going to crash. And so that's the basic scaling. But then the part of the unique bit is, so how do we build in that innovative culture? So like every meeting, for example, with my teams, 
you know, we would say, okay, every month we have a, and our agenda is four or five points, very short meeting. I don't like long meetings. Okay, guys, what did we do well last month? What did we not do as well? What could we do better? What ideas mm-hmm. did anyone see other industries? You know, we look outside. That's one thing I, bit of advice I would give first is go and look at a different industry. If your business, if you're in manufacturing, you think like our customer service isn't good enough. Think about industries that, you know, are expert in customer service. So I, you know, I would oh. say hospitality and I would say, okay, how do we go? And, and But you have to take the goggles off. You have to think, oh, well, they're not in our industry and they will do a lot of things that you can't do. You know, so you have to go there completely open-minded, but they might do something that part of it you could do. You know, if I, that's just one example, but that's things that really set a business apart. You know, if I had a hospitality business and I wanted better systems behind the scenes to be efficient, I would look at manufacturing. Interesting. Interesting. You know, in manufacturing in the United States, I think culture is a huge topic because there is so much competition for workers. There's a skills gap. There's not enough workers. And, you know, discussions are happening nationally about how to attract youth into the industry. But there's just incredible competition. So it becomes important for entrepreneurs, manufacturing entrepreneurs, to create a culture that people want to be in. So maybe if you can speak into that a little bit more from the perspective of what an entrepreneur should be doing to create a culture that people want to stay in and they would not leave to go to a competitor. This is very manufacturing relevant today. Yes. I mean, it's no different to every industry. I mean, I was on a podcast recently and the the guy said to me in America, um, he said, it's not the what anymore, it's the who. It's the big challenge for every business. You know, people talk about culture, they talk about, and I'm not taking away, yes, all the things you market and promote, healthcare benefits, you know, all those things are very important. But, you know, I believe in business you have to get the simple things right before anything else. Mm. So you can have all the, you know, bells and whistles on top of it, but if you haven't got the basics right. And I believe in asking people, you know, with my team, I ask them, like, what motivates them? What would I do that would completely demotivate them? You know, give me an example of what they've done before that they love doing. Give me an example of what they've done before that they hate doing. So, you know, people, I believe, leave jobs if they're not respected, if they don't you know, most people I believe are motivated. They want to go to work. They want to do a good job. They want to add value and they want to feel valued. And that doesn't mean that you have to spend hundreds of thousands of pounds or um, to do that. Very simple. Thank you. Recognition. Ask them. Now, what becomes very complicated for, you know, manufacturing or any business now, say manufacturing is you've so many different ages and types of people now in a workforce. So years ago, if you had, you know, every industry had a certain type of person in it. So generally, there's more commonality. Mm -hmm. So that makes it very hard if you have 100 employees, 500 employees, 2000. How do you keep them all happy? I, again, believe the most important thing in any business to keep staff happy is the leadership at every level. You know, they will have the most impact, good and bad. Your direct line manager will have the most impact, good and bad on your experience and work. I do believe that people want to give ideas. They want to feel valued. So again, that goes back to the innovative culture. There's, you know, there's nothing more satisfying for people than seeing being involved in, in the progress or the success of something. I, you know, people are no longer happy to sit in the sidelines and be told what to do. 
right? Do you find that that's kind of a generational thing where the older generation, this is how they did business. Mm -hmm. And so to remain competitive and keep workers engaged, they have to have a complete change of mindset because Mm -hmm. you can't do it the way you used to do it. No, I mean, that's the hardest part in any business. And again, I would, and we talked before this, I would see similarities in healthcare and manufacturing. They're very traditional industries you know it always worked worked a certain way for years why would you change it and I understand when people think like that but why would you change it well you can see the evidence why you would change it you're going to be out of business you're not going to get staff so you know the first thing is the person at the top of the organization has to shift their mindset now that's not easy for someone who's been doing it for 30 or 40 years it's very scary so you know bringing someone alongside you that you trust that you can be completely open and honest with about what you're scared of who is going to help you who's done it before or something similar before. I mean, I would work in industries that's, you know, helping people at a senior level doing that because I'm not in the industry. If you're in the industry, it's really hard to see different ways to do it. So sure, that's sure. when you bring in an outsider that, but but they need to have really good business experience and it comes from the top. Then after that, it's understanding the people, the staff that are the same, you know, mm-hmm. staff that have been there a long time. What are they scared of? And, you know, you don't ask them, what are they scared of? Because that's not the right language. But when you start to see resistance, then you really need to spend the time to get in underneath it. Because if you don't do that, like you will be stopped. Like you're just going nowhere in any change unless you take it slowly, you know, and bring the people along with you. So that's really important. It's the rare entrepreneur that likes change and dives into it head first. It's just human nature. We don't, not just the entrepreneurs, but the workers, people don't like change. So we're talking a lot about, you know, changing mindset, changing the way you do things, change, change, change. What are some things or are there some things I should say, ways of doing business from older times that we shouldn't get rid of? And what are they? Absolutely. I mean, I think I said this to you, people automatically look at me and and they think I'm younger from, which is lovely, but they think, oh, this young person's going to come in and change everything. Absolutely not. You know, look, you really have to look at the core values and culture of a business and what created its success. And that's generally, a lot of that comes from the DNA of the entrepreneur. So if I give you an example of, you know, one business I worked in, their success came, and not every business is successful in every part. They have strengths that lead the business. So one business was very, very strong at, you know, long-term relationships, people, and spotting opportunities in property. So they were able to get really good property, make it into an amazing building, and recruit the best people into it. Now, what they weren't great at was marketing, what they were, you know, so go back to, you know, if I say to an entrepreneur, what is the one or two things like in the entrepreneur and the business that just cannot go out of this you know you might need to tweak it and do it a a different way but that's what the success was built on so how do you keep that and Mm -hmm. build on that but to give you very basic things that I've always done so I write handwritten cards to people and to thank them I love it I've always done it has had a massive impact you know people you know and I'll talk to the older people in manufacturing in this you know a lot of people and I'm no expert in social media I want to be clear on that but a lot of people say oh you need to be online you need to be doing this you need to be doing that my first question would be well why do you need to be online where are your clients what online you know that's a big massive statement every new thing you do in a business takes money effort and resource Mm -hmm. when you start to do it you need to think why are you doing it and what it's not just return on investment financially but what is the benefit to the business of doing it 
And then, you know, I generally do lots of idea sessions with people first. So we don't think about resource or anything else. The first stage is open up our mind and let's just look at lots of different ways to do this. But once you have 200 ideas, then the next part of the process and the system I use is, okay, guys, let's think about this in practical terms. How is this going to work? What effort, what resources, how much time? And as I say, what benefits? So, you know, don't take away from, and people still buy from people. They still trust people. So that's one thing I am worried about actually in younger people is their ability. Because again, they've gone, I think it's gone a bit too far the other way. They're not getting, you know, young people coming into the workforce in the last year and a half. They're sitting at home. They're not with their team. They're not learning the interpersonal skills the way you would just by absorbing it. So that's going to be a huge gap. So the companies that really keep a good focus on that. Yeah, I agree. I think that we've lost something as a society in promoting social, 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 mm-hmm. you know, media, online, online, like that's great. And it, yep, it's important. We use it in our company. We, we advise our clients that they need to be online, mm-hmm. especially these older manufacturers who got business by word of mouth for their entire careers. Their buyer at Sikorsky or north of Grunham is retiring, and the new guy who's 20-something years old is going to turn to online to find you know, his next product provider. So it's incredibly important that manufacturers be online. However, you said the magic words people buy from people. And it's incredibly important to maintain, you know, on the phone that I love the handwritten card. We still do that. It's very important. I would like our listeners to hear who is your ideal client? What industry are they in? What size company is it? I'm sure that there's people that have learned something from what you've said today. Talk about what your ideal client is. Sure. So there's seven and eight figure businesses. I suppose, you know, certainly industries that I'm in, healthcare, hospitality, any industry that knows that the people and the culture of their business is important to their success. And then a client who is at that point where they've been successful, but they want more success either financially or they know they have to do things differently and they want to be proactive. You know, if you're a very, very traditional business leader and you don't want to change anything and your business is going very well and you don't want to do anything different, either in your business or your strategy or your teams or your own mindset, I'm not the person for you. But, you know, if you want someone who has one thing I you know, love doing is looking at a business as a complete novice. You know, I say I don't know anything about it and, and I'm able to look at it and say things because I, I won't look stupid because I'm not in manufacturing. And quite often when I say something, because, you know, we all have blinkers when we're in something for any length of time. And then it's group think, which is psychology. And you cannot get yourself out of it because all you can see is like a route that you drive to work every day. That's just the route you go. You never see anything else. And then, you know, coming alongside them and helping them. Okay, how do you develop that? You know, one of the things leaders don't still don't believe me on is that, you know, like every Friday I might get emails from my team coming up with new ideas. Once I develop into a certain stage, you know, I would very rarely have like 25 problems on my desk on a Friday afternoon and I'm having to work 50, 60 hours over a weekend to solve them. I create an environment and develop my team. And, you know, I don't help them in terms of what they should think. I help them how to think that's really important. And the leaders as well. I suppose someone who has been at both ends of it in terms of, you know, I really understand. And an entrepreneur, what's really important for me is people who 
their values would be very important to me. They want to make a difference, not just financially. They have a bigger purpose either in their local community or, you know, they really, really are very focused on on an impact on, you know, society, their community, other people, you know, through their business. So that's that's the type of people I work with. Fabulous. We are starting to run out of time. So please tell our audience how to reach you if they would like to learn more about your firm and your services. Sure. So the best social platform to get me on is LinkedIn. My website is Karam, C-A-R-A-M dot UK. And one of the things I do, Fran, every month is I offer a complimentary growth call for a leader. And it is, you know, it's not a sales call. It is a one hour with me and people apply and I pick the person that I think, you know, I could add the most value to and I want to offer to your listeners as well. So that's on my website. So karam.org.uk forward slash complimentary growth call. Yeah, very nice treat. I would encourage our listeners to reach out. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you so I'd much. I'd also like to say if you're a woman in manufacturing or servicing the manufacturing community and you would like to explore being on the show, please reach out to me, 908-387-1000. I'd also like to encourage our listeners to go to whampodcast.com, where you can watch all of our shows and other podcasts by the Jacket Media Company. Thank you so much for being with us today and have a great day, everybody. Thank you for joining the WAM podcast, where women empower other women in business and manufacturing. For more shows like this, go to whampodcast.com. That's whampodcast.com. Thanks for tuning in. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>